Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We are all born with a negative bias. By nature, it's wired into our human bodies and brains and right into our sinful flesh is to have a negative bias. And what this means is if your boss, let's say, gives you a performance evaluation and he tries to tell you how you've done, he might say three positive things that you've done very well at your job, but then at the very end, he says, oh, by the way, one more thing. You have stinky breath. (laughs) Now, if you walk out of that meeting, what's going to stand out to you as the thing you remember most of all when you go home and tell your friends how your performance evaluation was? Well, it might be that you're stinky. In fact, negative events and experiences are said to outweigh positive by three times the impact in our brains and chemistry. It might not just be your boss. It might just be how your day has gone. Imagine a day where there's positive things happening all along the way, but you miss out on them because three negative things happened. You got teased, you scraped your knee, and you got a bad grade. All in the same day when you come home from all of that, and all you can think of is, boy, that was a bad day. We're born with a negative bias. And when we interact with other people then, especially when we get into marriage and we interact with our spouse, we're more likely to notice three things we dislike about our spouse compared to maybe one thing we like. It's really hard to reverse that ratio. Now, there's reasons why we should have negative memories and we should remember things emotionally that were bad. We remember because they might help us try to avoid a dangerous situation, like putting your hand on the stove and getting burned. There's reason to avoid certain situations, but there's also reasons to repent. Adam and Eve, for instance, needed to remember the bad thing that happened to them in the Garden of Eden. It would not have helped them at all if they left the garden and thought, boy, that fruit at least tasted good. And that was the only thing they remembered. But the problem with this is that if all we ever remember is negative, our flesh can be so accustomed to it, to remembering it, to meditating on it, and even obsessing about it to the point we get addicted to things that are negative. Soon we're not only harming ourselves, but that toxic thinking become something that harms other people around us. That's why in Psalm 103, the psalmist has to remind us again and again and again to bless the Lord, to take time in our practice of daily habits to give thanks, to practice a habit of being grateful. To forget not all his benefits is what the psalm says. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not 
all his benefits. In the story of Samuel, you have not only remembering with your mind, but remembering with your body. Samuel actually makes a physical reminder of the spiritual benefits that the Lord has brought his way. Times were tough in Israel, not because the Lord's benefits were any less than they had ever been, but because the people had forgotten his benefits. Samuel was chosen to be a prophet and to be a deliverer for Israel because the men who were leading Israel had become corrupted. They had forgotten the Lord's benefits. Two of the priest's sons were meant to take his place in leading Israel in their worship life, and these two sons instead only led themselves. They got into corruption by stealing from families that were hungry and sleeping with women who came to the temple for worship. As Eli, the father, was getting old, he said, My sons, it is no good report that I hear from the people spreading abroad. If someone sins against a man, God will mediate for him. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? The battles began at Ebenezer, a city that would later be known by that name for something else. They came against Israel in great numbers. The Philistines were a mighty people. Some of you will remember Goliath comes up later on in the story as that mighty warrior that was so tall and no one could defeat him. Well, the Philistines were a seacoast people that had grown very mighty. And they came up against Israel and killed 30,000 of their men. And they stole the Ark of the Covenant. And the ark was a sign and a symbol of God's presence with his people all the way through the wilderness, but they stole the ark away. They took it back to their own temple, and they set it up next to their god, Dagon. Now, as the ark was sitting there in the temple next to Dagon, the people left. When they came back in the morning, the god Dagon was tipped over and broken into pieces Now, this was their fish god, which was half human and half fish, meant to symbolize their allegiance to gaining fish from the sea and worshiping the gods and idols that brought them their benefits. But they had forgotten the real giver of blessing. And as a result, the Lord reminded them by cursing their temple and leaving that half fish on the ground with a half human body broken next to it. The Philistines got very scared. So they decided they shouldn't keep this ark anymore. Because wherever they moved the ark, the people got sick. They got tumors on their skins and they died. They thought there's no way that we should keep this ark anymore. Let's take it back to the Israelites. And so they set it on a cart hooked up to a horse. And they let that horse go wild. And they said, if this, I'm sorry, not a horse, but two cows... If these two cows go back to Israel on their own, then we'll know that it was actually the Lord that was cursing us. And sure enough, there goes those two cows up the path, right to where they came from, back to the Israelites. And the Israelites had the ark returned to them. 
The Israelites needed to remember that they were taking the Lord for granted. They were even looking at the ark as some kind of symbolic superstition. If they could just be near the ark or touch the ark, then God would deliver them. But Samuel had to remind them that it wasn't the ark, it wasn't the ritual, it wasn't the place or time or circumstance that was going to interpret what was really going on. It was their hearts. And so in chapter 6, verse 20, Who is able to stand before the Lord, this holy God, and to whom shall he go up away from us? Who is able to stand before the holy God, the giver of all good things? And Samuel said to them, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and Ashtoreth from among you, and direct your heart to the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So the people put away all their idols, and they served the Lord only. Samuel reminded them to put away the foreign gods, direct their hearts to the Lord, and serve him. And with those three things, then, their focus of their hearts will be back to the Lord's benefits, the benefits they were taking for granted. So they fasted and said, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel said, do not cease to cry out to the Lord. So as they are lamenting and praying, Samuel sacrifices a young lamb as a whole burnt offering, meant to show the people that the whole lamb was going to be given as their sacrifice for their sins. And then the Lord thundered against the Philistines, scared them half to death, confused them, and the Israelites pursued them and defeated them that day. So this is over the course of a generation of time where the people have gone from complete rebellion, trouble, anguish, forgetting the Lord's benefits completely, to now rescue, deliverance, God's help, which was always there, but they didn't realize it. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And Samuel wants to mark this event not just with memory, but to physically place a stone there and mark it as a reminder for the rest of their time. He called it the Ebenezer Stone, which in Hebrew means the stone of helping. Thanksgiving is not just about being thankful, but for us it's also about who we are thanking. In order to be, for us to be a giver of thanks, it's necessary that there be a receiver of thanks. It's not enough just to have thanksgiving and say thank you in a generic way. We can thank all sorts of powers in this world that we might think have benefited us in our lives. Humans, parents, circumstances, ourselves. But it's meaningless if it doesn't tie us back to the Lord's benefits. Don't forget, but we do forget. And the older you get, you might say, I forget more and more, but I, I find with older, the older people get, there's actually one thing that you don't forget. 
You might forget where your keys are. You might forget what your wife told you to pick up at the store. But what you don't forget is the Lord's benefits. Because the older you get, the more you realize how much you need that every day. That, of course, is why you guys are all here tonight. Because you want to remember the Lord's benefits on this festival. And so it's great to, for us to have a festival, to give thanks to the Lord, because it's so easy to forget. Most of all our mental anguish and spiritual trouble comes from forgetting the Lord. Bitterness, despair, depression, anxiety, it's because we've forgotten. The priests of Israel had forgotten, and they had turned to all sorts of evil. God has a way of not just reminding us, not just about the ark, not just about going to church, but he has a way of drawing our hearts back to reflection. In the psalm, Psalm 103, that we said earlier in the service, it listed five things we can remember. Forget not all his benefits. He forgives our sins. He heals our sicknesses. He redeems our life. He crowns us with his loving kindness. And he satisfies us with good things. From the spiritual to the physical, it all comes from him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our sins from us. And like a father pities his children, the Lord pities us. The Lord loves us. We are like a flower of the field that waves in the breeze, grows old, fades away. But the Lord's commitment never ends. We wear it on our head, in our mind, in our memories. That's why the practice of gratitude is so important. Some people keep a gratitude journal. Uh, book where you can write down every day something you're thankful for. That's kind of like your Ebenezer Stone. But do you think every day you're going to have to face a battle where a great Philistine army is going to die? It doesn't have to be a great big stone that you're remembering. It could just be some pebbles every day. Focus not only on the big thank yous, but the little things. The water you drink from your faucet. The friend who sent you a message to see how you were doing. The bread that seems to be on the shelf every time you go to the store. Bless the Lord every day for his Ebenezer help. His daily deliverance, but most of all, for his deliverance from the greatest enemy, for the lamb that was sacrificed whole and completely to deliver us from our sins and bring us God's forgiveness and help. Maybe then you can reverse the three to one to one to three. Actually, as part of the service today, I'd like us to do that. I'd like you to think of three things that you would like to thank God for tonight. And so I brought along these little slips of paper here. And I'm going to ask the ushers if we have two ushers here tonight or two men to come forward. 
and go ahead and pass these out to everyone now. And what I want you to do is just write down three things, and then we'll collect them at the offering. As we think on this, remember this hymn also, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And on the third stanza says, Here I raise my Ebenezer, here by thy great help I've come. And I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. We sing about that Ebenezer stone of remembering. Three things you're thankful for, and the organist is going to play a hymn here while you think. And if you can only come up with one, that's fine. We'll take a minute to meditate, give thanks to the Lord.